Totally Football Show. Today, football law's controversy. When Wayne Rooney was in trouble, everyone said he should have just taken a cab. Now the West Brom four get stick for doing exactly that. Where's the consistency? Anyway, with the baggies trip to Barcelona boosting a lot more than just morale, totally rounds up all the cup news. Spurs not having a stroll over Hill and Dale at Spotland. Tammy Abraham savaged by a poodle at Sheffield. And the FA taking Robin Thicke and a box of crowns off VAR at Stockley Park. Plus, we get excited about the next set of Champions League matches, the Cup with the Ears, the Mushroom League, the Königsklasse. It's all in the Totally Football Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this Totally Football Show. Many thanks to Caroline Barker for filling in last week. In the studio today, Stealing Hearts. Kelly Cates. Oh, hello. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were pointing at Leroy then. Yeah. I only came because I thought Caroline was still here. <laughs> Stealing, I don't know what, Leroy, the next 60 minutes of your life, Leroy Rossini. Good to be here, James. Uh, and the only thing that Rafa Honigstein's stolen is your Christmas pudding. Because stolen. Did you get that? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, FA Cup, everybody. It's been a big week on uh, of FA Cup. Uh, news. Sean says, and I think he speaks for a lot of listeners, not too long on VAR, please, because there was a bit of that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk instead then, because it was a bit short on surprises this weekend. Let's talk instead, Kelly, on Rochdale Spurs. Yes. Yes. Which was very exciting. Mm -hmm. I thought Spurs had done it until the last kick of the game. And then it's a bit, I think Rochdale deserved it. I can't believe their bottom of League One, but we did 606 last night and oh, the yeah. Rochdale fans who were phoning up were saying, this isn't the team we've seen. We haven't seen this kind of application, this level of performance from them. This is a, a completely different Rochdale from the one that's got themselves into this predicament. However, although they're bottom of, of League One, it is a slightly sort of skewed situation because because of their cup run particularly, they've got quite a few games in hand on the team above them. So it's, it's, they're not as badly off as, right. as they you might think at the moment that Rochdale position in full they are 11 points off yeah. safety they have 4 games in hand on most of their rivals 5 on some of the other teams they've got 11 weeks now in which they must cram in 19 games and try and resolve that points deficit Leroy very difficult even with the games in hand really oh god yeah it's going to be tough for, for kids. But, but with this morale boosting performance and the cup run and things yeah that might make it worse in all honesty but mm. uh, look it's Fantastic club. Keith's been doing a wonderful job there uh, for quite a long time. I know he had the little little spell at Barnsley before he went back to Rochdale. And, and you know, no matter what happens to that football club, they, they'll keep the manager and they'll keep developing players and playing the way that they play. But just coming back to the game, obviously I thought it was an really, really pleased that they got the equaliser because of the the, pen, the penalty incident. Now, a lot of people are saying that Ali died and yes, he did dive, but it was a penalty as well. And and people are saying, well, you know, he shouldn't, he can't dive anymore. He's going to ruin his reputation. And I said, his reputation's already ruined. It's yeah. too late. But the problem with Deli Ali is, one day when he is fouled, he won't get a penalty, and it might be in the World Cup, and it might cost England uh, getting through to the next round. So he's got to stop diving. And I hear all these pros saying, yeah, but it's part of the game. You've got to win a penalty. But it's always Deli Ali, and Deli got booked. I think last week in the, in the Premier League for diving. One day he's going to not dive and he's not going to get the penalty. And that's the only way he's going to learn. It's the only way Tottenham are going to learn. And I was really pleased for Rochdale because it took that controversy. It kind of diluted that controversy mm. for Rochdale. So, and it means another Wembley trip. I think Spurs, I think next next time it's Chelsea playing in the Cup when they're playing at Wembley, when their stadium's being built, 
enjoy every game against the lower teams because it's fantastic. It's not just about the money, but Rochdale, Newport going to play at Wembley where they wouldn't get the opportunity to play in front of 80,000 people. So it's a wonderful story for Rochdale, no matter what happens in the league. They've had Bingo. a couple of trips to Wembley, though, Rochdale, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. They have had a couple of trips, but that group of players, not necessarily. Not yeah. that group of players, but the thing with Rochdale, Kelly, is they'll mostly take 3,000 fans, yeah. you know, but to go to Wembley and play in front of 80,000 fans, it would have been like 20... We've been to those, you know, those games, you know, the playoffs in the, where there's 40,000, 20,000, 30,000, and the upper tiers are empty and... But this is going to be a wonderful occasion for Rochdale and, and it will never be replicated. Bingo, when's the replay going to happen, Leroy? Next week. Next is week. it next week? It's next week. That Keith Hill is an attractive man. Keith's a good guy. Mm-hmm. He's a centre-half. It's horrible. Horrible centre-half, you know, the one that kicks you and all that. But he's, um, he's a real character and he loves that football club. And I think they, they love him. As I said, he, he started at Rochdale, did brilliantly, went to Barnsley. I think it was less than a year he was there. He's gone back to Rochdale now. As I said, they'll take 3,000 people. This is a club. I know people are saying they're bottom of League One, but... Well, they are, Lee, right? It's not just people saying I know, it's true, but... but... You know what's interesting about Mm. that is that he said, I knew when I signed this this new longer contract that at some stage we'd be in a relegation battle and it was likely that we'd be relegated in the time of, of my contract. That's... That's an extraordinary thing to say because mm-hmm. surely when you go into the negotiations, you say, "I'll make sure we stay in this league." I mean, that must be one of the first things that the, one of the Didn't first things you mentioned in the conversation between you and the. Moyes said he? <laughs> yeah, he said we're going to be in a relegation battle. Oh, okay, not yeah. right. Um, very exciting. It went down to the wire, which made it all the more special that Jimmy McNulty was playing for <laughs> Rochdale. No, uh, uh, Joseph Barn Bradfield, sorry, saying good to see Jimmy McNulty. Uh, no bunk alongside him. Perhaps an item for international break, which on-screen partners would form great on-field pairings and vice versa. I'm not sure even in an international break that's going to work, uh, Joseph, but thanks for that. As for Spurs, eh? Lucas Moura, good news? I like Lucas Moura. I think he's a, a, a good player, but they look unfit. A lot of those players haven't played. I mean, you look at the squad um, and you look at that, that side that they put out. and you know, 11, Danny Rose, changes. 11 changes. 11 mm. changes. And they could do with a. To they could do with another game. I know people are saying, "Look, it's not great. Spurs don't want another game." But look, Harry Kane's going to be on the bench. Deli Ali's going to be on the bench. But those players who haven't played to get a game at Wembley next week, it looked like exactly what they needed. They don't want an under twenty three game to try and get fit. They need a proper competitive Some of them football are, match. Are unfit because they're coming back from injury as well, yeah, aren't they? Exactly. So can can say? it could be a good thing for Tottenham. Yeah. Well, Lucas Moura hadn't had a start in two hundred and seventy four days. Remarkable. Hot and cold kind of who, player. Lucas Moura. Mm. This was one of his hotter days, I felt. Well, against opposition that perhaps Fair. suited his talents. Fair point. <laughs> anyway, assuming whoever gets through that uh, tie next Wednesday, that replay, will get Sheffield Wednesday or Swansea in the quarterfinals after they had a nil-nil that probably suits neither side, given that both managers said, can't we just do penalties? Carlos Cavalial afterwards, Rafa, can you explain these comments? He says, it looks like that movie, Police Academy. Police Academy 1, Police Academy 2, and I th- we think we're getting to Police Academy 3 in this moment because it's the third time. Well, I think what he's trying to say is there are too many replays, just ah. as there have perhaps been one or too many Police Academy films. Right. At the end of that magnificent... How many were there so in the end? Was seven, it? apparently. The answer he was there were too many. Too many, OK. <laughs> he um, he also asked which dressing room to go to at Hillsborough because <laughs> he used to be the manager. <laughs> <laughs> He's great, I love him. Hey, speaking of managers that are great and enjoy bands, Alan Pardew. Um, of course, there was all sorts of issues there at West Brom in the run-up to their cup game with, with Southampton, uh, notably boardroom changes. And then the issues with the four players 
Evans, Livermore, Barry, Barry, to everyone's surprise, and, and Buzz Myhill, who uh, supposedly went off with a, a, a taxi in, in Barcelona. Can I uh, just say, I, mean, yes. I was actually in the south of Spain at the weekend, ah. and it is difficult to get taxis at a certain time. Right? <laughs> but they didn't find so it hard. I, I kind of sympathise <laughs> with them, especially the big ones they don't have. So if you, four people should have been okay, but with five, it's a real, real trouble. What was the is dynamic what? behind this? Because they went from a McDonald's drive-through. Had the had the driver left his vehicle there, or what? I don't know. So what you're saying is the reason they stole the taxis because if, if there were they, four of them, they would have wanted the driver. Because there were five, they wanted the drive. They needed mm. the extra seat. Yep, there you go. So that condones it. Um, <laughs> Leroy. That's what their lawyers are arguing anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Leroy, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Where is Pardew's authority now at this delicate time for the baggies? If, after an incident, after they bring shame to this noble football club, he then just sticks them in the team anyway? Because he has no choice. But doesn't he? No, because he hasn't got Chris any... Brunt uh, thinks of another... Oh, Claudio Jacob, could they not have taken their place? Exactly what I said. He has no choice. Hmm. Um, look, senior players as well, who's who's relying on, by the way, to get getting them out, out of trouble. The biggest game of the season this week, uh, coming up this weekend against against Huddersfield. So he has absolutely no no choice, James. But the, the point is with, with Alan, and I like Alan as a manager, you look at his record, he's won seven of his last 51 Premier League games. Sorry, could you just say that again? He's won seven of his last 51 Premier League games. Forget about the cab, forget about the hijinks by the players. His actual Premier League record just doesn't stand up. And when you look at that record, you think, well, are we surprised? Are we, is it a shock? You know, and there's no disrespect to, to Alan, but, you know, that is the, that is, those are the facts. And he's got to win his eighth game in 52 on Saturday, else he's going to find it very difficult. And they're against Huddersfield? against Huddersfield, who all of a sudden, by the way, who I thought were down with them, by the way, last week, have produced a performance on the front foot, which I did, didn't think was in them. You know, against a Bournemouth side, who Eddie Howe just got the Manager of the Month award. They got on the front foot. They played how they should have been playing because I thought they'd given up. The way they were playing, dropping off and allowing teams to play, got on the front foot, pressed high up the pitch and showed some real spirit. And that's what West Brom have got to do. Is Sometimes it's not just about putting two forwards up front and saying, right, we're going to play attractive attacking football you've got to play with spirit and respond of that I hear you what a goal from Solomon Rondon though it was a, a, a consolation yeah. a, a consolation a fantastic goal but you know you're 2-0 down and, and you get the consolation and then yeah a little bit unfortunate not to get the draw but the FA Cup is not important to West Bromwich Albion no disrespect it's not important to West Bromwich Albion then the lads nicking a cab whether there are five or four of them trying to get in a cab is not important to West Bromwich Albion what's important is performances on the pitch and what they expected from Alan Pardew it just hasn't happened I see well that's a huge game next weekend against Huddersfield mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about them of course managed by your compatriot David Wagner uh, they're fresh from a 2-0 defeat by Man United which could have been 3-0 had it not been for that business with the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what fine, but we're talking about great goals. That breakaway goal, the Sanchez Lukaku. Hey, eh? Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I thought Huddersfield played again uh, pretty well. I hear what you're saying, Leroy. I think it was almost a case of maybe um, slowing down in certain games, which then allowed them to be a bit more themselves in other games, realizing that they just cannot play as intense a game every single week. Um, and they started so well, and I think you're already seeing sort of energy levels dropping a little bit, and they kind of go down the table further and further. And they're still trying to really achieve success against the odds because their wage bill and, and the, the individual quality on the pitch is really not comparable to most of the opposition uh, they play every week. So 
it's it's amazing that they're still so well positioned uh, in a way to survive. But I think it'll might catch up with them. That kind of disadvantage that's just built into the system. They just don't have a team that really can realistically survive in the Premier League. I think is he enjoying himself? I think he's enjoying himself. The question is. He felt that out of loyalty, he had to stay. He had big offers in the Germany. In Germany, when um, in the summer, oh, to go to Wolfsburg, for example, mm-hmm. Wolfsburg, who are struggling, but um, according to the UEFA report on club football, have the 13th biggest wage bill in Europe, um, just behind Atletico and Spurs, and ahead of Inter. So, not a big club in terms of uh, crowd and history, but a huge financial. Um, powerhouse potentially but no he, he decided he couldn't leave Huddersfield the question is what happens if they do go down will he say okay you know I want to get them back up and then leave or will he say you know it's so difficult to get out of the championship it's probably probably a good time to move on I think he will have he will have offers I think people will not say oh you know he got them relegated I think they'll look past mm. it and say what he's done with this team is is as good as any manager could have done. All right. Well, you won't have to worry about the FA Cup anymore because Man United goes through. We'll talk more about Man United later on. You can explain that whole Pogba scenario to me and anybody else who's taken a week off and uh, <laughs> missed all, all of that. Um, Man United will be taking on Brighton in the quarterfinals in a repeat of which FA Cup final, Kelly? 83. 83 is correct. Do I get points? Cuddly no, toy? You can have a bonus. Cup of tea? Anything? Do you know? Okay, do you know what happened in the '83 final? <laughs> Broadly, or go on. Well, it finished two-two and went to a police academy-esque replay, <laughs> at which United won four-nil. At where Villa Park? At Wembley, the final. No, wouldn't they have replayed? No, they them? don't replay. No, the they final. don't need to replay it. Wembley, did they? No. This one, this one was. Wow. Producer Ben's been all over this. Oh, they replayed it. Wow. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Apparently, 1983. Anyway, that's what's happening there. Brighton are now five games unbeaten. They beat Coventry, poor old Coventry, 3-1. Jürgen Lockardia or Lockardia or Lockardia. He got his goal on his debut. Nice. And in the other quarterfinal, it'll be Leicester against Chelsea. Leicester, who beat Sheffield United 1-0. Chelsea, who continued their little mini bounce back with a 4-0 win over Hull. This should be an interesting quarterfinal. A, because Chelsea's various youth players look pretty exciting. And B, because Leicester's full-strength squad, which they can afford to use because they don't have anything else to worry about, really, I think, this season. Yeah, also, fun. with Mahrez back in the picture, looks pretty special too. I'd say Leicester have a half-decent chance of winning that game. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I think Chelsea have bigger fish to fry. We will find out sometime between March the 16th and March the 19th when the quarterfinals will be taking place. Very shortly, we'll be talking about some of those fish that will be soon in Chelsea's frying pan in the shape of a Champions League fixture against Barcelona. That and much more after this. You can't buy success, unless that is, you're backed by Petro Billions. Just ask PSG and Man City. Well, Paddy Power have spent the big bucks buying the best tech brains to make their app better and faster than ever. Check it out for yourself by downloading it for free on Android and iPhone now. 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. Leroy. Yes, mate. Do you know what happened the last time Southampton got to a FA Cup quarterfinal? Did they get relegated? They did get relegated. Wow. Do you know who the manager was? Was it Alan Ball? No, it was Harry Redknapp. Was it Harry? There's a shot. Mm. Is that when he left Portsmouth to go to Southampton? Yes, it I was. I think it probably was. Yeah. 2004? Yes, it was. Yeah. Bingo. All right. Anyway, Champions League. 
course, last week was really special in the Champions League, eh, Rafa? That's brilliant. Was it brilliant? Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it very much. Let's see if this week lives up to some of those incredible performances, particularly from the Premier League sides. Uh, is, is the is the Premier League sides putting the, the, the willies, if you will, up? Uh, the, for example, in Germany, are they worried about the predominance of the of the English teams? Yes, generally speaking, yes. They have been worried for, for quite a while, mostly when it comes to transfers and you're just them picking off the best players. Mm. But yeah, I mean, the, the English clubs are back. The real question is, where, where have they been? Why yeah. have they been so poor over the last 10 years? Um, but yeah, you'd expect them, all of them with the possible exception of Chelsea. All right, because I was just going to ask you, are Chelsea back? Because they had those rotten results convinced. against Bournemouth and Watford, and now they've beaten West Brom and Hull. So what do you think against Barcelona? How dangerous are Barcelona? <laughs> oh, sorry, Chelsea have beaten West Brom and Hull, so... <laughs> How are they fixed for Barcelona? How dangerous are Barcelona? Like, I like really. you join the comparisons, though. Barcelona have gone out of the Champions League in the last two quarterfinals. Yeah, and I, like so you jo- co- I like I like you making comparisons right. between West well, Brom and Hull. You know, they're all football teams. Barcelona, as I'm sure West Brom and Hull fans would as well. Yeah. <laughs> so-called Messi's never scored against so-called Chelsea. Messi. So you know, my point is, Chelsea only won half of their group games and finished behind Roma. Eh? What's this? What do you think, Rafa? You're saying that Chelsea are going to be the Premier League team that struggles in the Champions League this year. Yeah, I'm still not sure that uh, Juventus will not actually go through somehow, find find a way of, of getting past Spurs, but I think Chelsea look the most vulnerable simply because Barcelona are by far the best opposition and the English team come up against. And this Barcelona look look very, very good. I mean, they are, with City, I think, on a slightly higher level than anyone else in this competition. Mm. 31 and games unbeaten now with their 2-0 f- win over Ibar. The fact that they played a second game at home is a huge bonus, so... Yeah, I think it'll be tough for Chelsea. Very hard. Mm. Always great games. Well, certainly iconic moments Mm -hmm. between these two teams. Screamer from Honolginho, Leroy. Didier Drogba's flip-flop strop. Yeah. That was a classic. Oh, JT getting sent off. Yeah, there's been lots, isn't there? Oh, Torres. Do you remember that one? <laughs> One incident that's been strangely underreported ah. uh, was Andre Vios Boas throwing his gum at Frank Rijkaard in that Ronaldinho game. Mm-hmm. Got so upset that uh, he spat out his gum and threw it at Rijkaard. Right. Because you know, in Chelsea, the, the press box is really, really close to the, um, to the benches. And uh, I basically sat right behind them and saw all unfolding. But wow. I don't I don't think many other, other people did. Right. And of course, Frank Rijkaard. Yeah. <laughs> and he hit him. Did he? Yeah, but Frank Reichardt yeah, couldn't really was, complain. That was the game when Frank Reichardt had that weird shirt on with a with a sponsor name on it. We got into a trouble for target. <laughs> it was kind of a it was kind of a rhin- black black shirt with almost a kind of rhinestone sort of uh, um, endorsement by by a certain sponsor. Um, and and UEFA said, you know, you're not you can't really wear this because this is not UEFA uh, UEFA sponsor. And maybe Andrew Vierspors took the law into his own hand, right? Um, and sort of. <laughs> dishing out immediate retribution. Perhaps so, perhaps so. My point would be that Frank Reichardt can't complain about being spat at any people <laughs> expectorating in his direction because, exactly. of course, you know, World Cup. Oh, yeah. 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 Rudy Vola, isn't it? Yeah. Rudy yes. Vola, yeah. Still. <laughs> Still, Leroy. <laughs> Massive game, eh? Kelly. Yeah. Massive game, eh? Chelsea-Barcelona. Yes. Yes, it is. Do you share Rafa's concern for Antonio Conte and company? Um... 
do I think that the improved performances against West Brom and Hull mean Those that ones. they're going to find that they're going to find it uh, easier against Barcelona? No, Barcelona are just better. I don't. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Are you expecting me to put the Chelsea point of view here? No, I'm just curious to know what you think. And Conte doesn't have a particularly good record in the Champions League. Doesn't no. have a particularly good record in cup competitions generally. I, mean, I don't think anything points statistically towards Chelsea getting a, a result against Barcelona over this. Fair weeks. enough. I'll move on then, Leroy, to the other Premier League side who are in action. I'll talk about Chelsea. Go on then. Conte, if he's learnt from his, the big games he's played this season when he's got all negative and gone five in midfield, right? Chelsea won the title playing 3 4 3 last season. Bakayoko's taken a, a net, has diver, been diverted out of the team, which has been, which is a positive. Now, you look at Chelsea's team, by the way, Azard, William, Morata's fit. Conte, Drinkwater, won the Premier League title. Then the three at the back, they got top-class goalkeeper. They they could get a result against Barcelona. It sounds impressive plays. when you read through their team list. Not Absolutely. a game you can play with Barcelona. No, I know Barcelona are unbeaten in the last 31 games, but if Chelsea are positive and don't mm. sit on the back foot like they did against Man City in the in, uh, start of the season, then they have got an opportunity to get through. Fair point. Man United also in action this midweek at the sanchez Pijuan. Remember what happened to the last Premier League side who, who went to the sanchez Pijuan? Mm-hmm. They, it was Liverpool. Liverpool. Three, three. Oh, okay. They were three 0 yes. up at half time. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think that Mourinho's side are going to come away with a three-three draw. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we were keen to find out what kind of Sevilla awaits Man United, particularly as they've, of course, fired rather ruthlessly manager Eduardo Barrizzo uh, a week after he returned from cancer surgery since that Liverpool tie, and replaced him with Vincenzo Montella who had a somewhat shaky start. So we dialed up Spanish commentator Alvaro Romeo of TalkSport International. I think that Sevilla is one of the strangest team in Spanish football, uh, and I do believe so, because uh, if you check their numbers this season, they don't make any sense. I mean, they are well settled in the table, they're still in the Champions League uh, uh, race, but at the same time, they have considered more goals than they have scored domestically. They, they haven't been able to beat the top four this season, and at the same time, in the knockout competitions, they've been really good. So you can really tell that this is a team that perhaps uh, for a league, uh, it, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be a, a trouble for Manchester United playing against them, or uh, Sevilla wouldn't be a rival in Premier League for Manchester United. But in a knockout competitions, I think that Sevilla has a, a lot of danger inside. They have beaten Atletico de Madrid in the Spanish Cup, and that's why they qualified for the final. They didn't lose any game against Liverpool in the Champions League group stage. And under Montella, they, they have improved uh, quite a lot. In fact, uh, Montella has something like a 60% victory ratio uh, as a Sevilla manager, which is quite good considering that uh, he inherited a team uh, in which few players uh, weren't very happy with the manager, in which a few players seem to be lost for Sevilla and probably the most uh, obvious case was then Steven and Chonsi one uh, he didn't play since uh, November until Montella started and ever since and Chonsi has become a really important player for Sevilla again there you go then. That's what awaits Man United. Eva Benega and Luis Muriel are meant to be back uh, after injury, or potentially anyway, for Montella. Also, Jesus Navas and Nolito available for selection. What do you think, Rafa? We saw a bit of Sevilla. I mean, Sevilla can look very, very exciting, but they always concede huge amount of uh, chances. Um, if you remember last year in that, in that uh, group with uh, City and Borussia Mönchengladbach, every game was 
box to box, hundreds of chances each way. So I don't think Mourinho wants that kind of game. I don't think his Man United team are built for that kind of game. So you'll, you'll expect him to sort of to slow things down and, and keep the crowd at bay because they make a big difference once they get behind the side as, as Liverpool certainly felt to their to their detriment. So I think because the second leg is at Old Trafford, I think United will just find enough to, to squeeze through fairly comfortably at the end. But on the night, I think it's going to be a difficult game. Of course, it's an injury-stricken Man United. Paul Jose Mourinho with so many players out. Although I believe that Paul Pogba may be back from his uh, mystery illness at the weekend. When asked about his illness, Jose said, I don't know and I don't care. Which... Well, no, he said that because it was before the game. Oh, and he right. said, he said at the moment, my focus is all on the game. So it's, right. not, it's not quite fair to say he no, doesn't no, okay. care whether that, Paul Pogba was ill or well. But it's... I thought it might be, it sounded a little bit like, do you remember when Shevchenko I mean, at even, Chelsea... Even then it was quite dismissive. Was but it? it? But it yeah. yeah, but in in context, he was saying that at the moment, my focus is, is on the game. Yeah. Right. But it is true that Mourinho is one of those managers who feel if a player is not available they don't exist mm. he will not talk to them he will not speak to them he almost sort of gives them a hard shoulder hoping that they will recover quickly the tough mm. love kind of approach mm. and he's very extreme in that sense that just they, they just don't exist for him is there a rift between Paul Pogba and Mourinho and Man United um look I don't know I don't I don't know how how serious a rift is I think there is definitely um a disappointment um that probably goes beyond Mourinho's uh, personal feelings that Pogba hasn't really worked out that well this season and there's the case you know whose fault is it is he played in the wrong position the, the problem is at a certain level every player thinks that they know much better than the coach where their real position is and it's then down to the coach to either convince the player or have so much authority that the player says you know what yeah okay I mean I might be played out of position but I'll do it for the team for you for whoever and I think they don't seem to have quite reached that sort of understanding yet. There seems to be still a kind of a lingering sense of, oh, if only I could maybe do things a little bit differently or if I had a bit more freedom. And Pogba is not the only one because most players who love to play with the ball going forward have had the same problem of frustrations to a certain extent under Mourinho at, at Man United and, of course, preceding that uh, at Chelsea as well. Yeah. So, And it often leads to them leaving. Yeah, being sold, um, and that is that is. I mean, we've talked about this before. I think this is the sort of the the strange um, contradiction at the heart of this Mourinho Man United project, where they have these big players and and potential superstars, and a manager who doesn't actually like big players and potential superstars and prefers soldiers who run up and down um, as directed. And we still haven't really seen um, resolution of that conflict this season even though Man United sit second in the league and uh, I find it difficult to understand that having watched Man United play every single week this season and I've been a big critic of Mourinho's style of football but when it comes to Paul Pogba and this position thing he actually was right he did play left side the three in midfield exactly in the same position that he played against Juventus against Newcastle but mm. he was just rubbish he couldn't control the ball he couldn't pass the ball he couldn't run for the goal, he didn't challenge the lad who won the header. These were simple things. Now, whether when you're playing, when you see that, really, mm. does that speak to you of a, of, of a player whose whose heart's not in it, or am I completely misunderstanding? We've me? got to remember, start of the season, Paul Pogba was amazing, and then he got he got suspended, and then United weren't amazing from the Liverpool game onwards. I think that had a lot to do with Jose Mourinho, 
Then since he's come back, he's been okay. But against Newcastle, he was dreadful. And it didn't wouldn't matter whether he played up front, right wing, left back. He couldn't pass, control the ball and pass it. And it was that... Well, he, why would that be? Well, it's not, nothing to do with his position. It's got nothing to do with his position on the pitch. Whether Paul Popper plays as a number 10, left side midfield, what you do expect him to do is control it mm. and pass it because he's the m- most talented player in that Man United team. Now, we can talk about his position when he starts actually just controlling it and passing it again, like you expect him to do. So whether it's to do with uh, Paul Pogba not focusing on, on his game, maybe thinking it's all too easy, because I went to watch, you know, I watched United live against Bristol City on the season, watch them on, yeah, obviously their games on telly, I thought they were, their attitude towards the game was shocking before the game. Just flicking the ball up, and I wasn't surprised they got beat by Bristol City in the cup. Cause, and I see that in Paul Pogba, I see he's liable to just dip because he's not focused. I don't think he knows consistently. I think it just happens for him. He goes out there because he's such a talented player. He's, that's why they pay so much money for him. But I think at times he will he will have a terrible game because he doesn't know how to properly 100% prepare for every single game. And I think that's what might frustrate Mourinho because he's got the most talented player the United have had in many, many years. And that should never happen at Newcastle where a player, if I was going to give him a mark out of 10, I'd give him three. He was that bad. You don't say that about Hazard. You don't say that about Mo, Mo Salah. You don't say that about De Bruyne. This guy is as talented as all of those players, and that shouldn't be happening. Mic drop. Yeah, <laughs> I <enjoyed that. laughs> Paul, if you're listening, get in touch. We're reaching out to you here. Just to add to that, I mean, mm. it's not necessarily so much about his position of where he is on the pitch, but what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to do a lot of stuff, I think, that he doesn't enjoy doing and perhaps not very good at doing. Like, Isn't that what like protecting, think, like yeah. protecting a back. Not for you, Kelly. Honestly, I, I watched Man United weekend. Paul Pogba isn't asked to sit in front of the back four. Oh, he did against Arsenal, he but he was unbelievably they, bad. When they, when they lose the ball, he's expected to get back in the position. But when United get possession of the ball, Paul Pogba is given all season. He's been given license. He pops up all over the place. By the way, and the the problem is. But Paul isn't Pogba. that exactly Mourinho's issue? Well, that he I, doesn't want them to do that? I, I would say one thing for Paul Pogba is like, you remember when he first went to Man United and he said, oh, I want Michael Carrick to play because he knows Michael Carrick will give stability. The one player who, it's not Sanchez it causes a problem, it's when Juan Mata doesn't play. Because what Mata does, he starts off on that right-hand position, Paul Pogba goes running off and, and Mata just goes and sits in, in behind and gets on the ball and they keep the ball much better. So when Paul Pogba plays, I honestly, you know, I think Mourinho, you're right about certain players, but with Paul Pogba, I think Mourinho says, go and play. But when you lose the ball, I just want to get back in that position. But when, when we've got the ball, you go and make things happen. I really do believe he's given that licence. And I don't know what else Mourinho is supposed to do with a, a player of that talent. What else he's supposed to say to him? Because he certainly had that licence against Newcastle. But honestly, I've watched the game again. He couldn't control it. He couldn't pass it. He didn't want to challenge for anything. And he got taken off. He's got to just buck up his ideas. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Well, still to come on your Super Tour Away Totally Football Show, we're going to be talking about the other Champions League clashes, asking Rafa whether Bayern Munich could be the Dunkel's third of <laughs> this year's mean? competition. <laughs> Sorry, Leroy? What's that mean, Dunkel's third? Dark horses. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, very well. <laughs> what, would the German, what would the German phrase be? Um, there's no animal phrase I really? can think of. 
like it's just say what does Dunkelsberg mean? Outsider, you'd say probably outsider. That just literally means outsider. Yeah. What about Dunkelsberg? What does that actually mean? No, it means dark horse. Bingo. Excellent. All right, now Kevin Robinson. Ben Joyce, Neil Stevenson, who are these people? Why? They're the big winners in last Friday's Totally Football Facebook quiz, of course. Kev won a goodie bag that may or may not contain a Call of Duty-scented candle. Wow. Uh, Ben won a signed copy of your book, Bring the Noise, Rafa. And Neil only went and got himself a Fiorentina 2016-17 home shirt. Purple's not even his colour. If you would like to share in amazing prizes like that kind of thing, then uh, get yourself over to facebook.com slash the Totally Football Show sometime before or on and around 12.30 GMT on Friday. I don't know what the prizes are yet, but we'll let you know about those on Thursday when we'll be joined by uh, James Horncastle, Julian Laurent, and one Pat Nevin, which just happens to be... Just happens to be the lineup for our upcoming Dublin show, which is at Dublin's Vicar Street in March, and Ticketmaster.ie is where you can get your hands on the remaining tickets. There's less than less than half of the tickets are available. Kelly, you know Pat really well. Did you know have you ever heard him DJ? I've never heard him DJ. Right. But I have I have worked with him on various occasions and spent the evening in the bar with a group of people where Pat just tells the best stories. You oh. need to get him on with the time you met Morrissey. The time he met yes, Morrissey. The time he met Morrissey, because that's a great story. All right. Any um, others? I won't. I won't spoil them no, for no. you because you need Pat to tell them. Well, but you just... need to get yourself a ticket to Dublin, the Vicar Street in March. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to come. Not you. Me. No, you can come <laughs> if you want. I think we invite you anyway, but you couldn't come. Did you? Maybe not. Anyway. Anyway. That's amazing, Kelly. I'm really looking forward to hear him him telling us that story. Him and Moz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, speaking of people who you know quite well, God, yeah, go are on. you familiar with this bloke? He's just taken over the of Miami FC. <laughs> Paul. Paul Dalgleish. Yes, I am familiar with his work, yes. OK. Now, this is interesting. He was previously the boss at the Austin Aztec Ottawa Fury. Or are those no, two, different, two clubs? different clubs? No, they're two different clubs. Definitely two different clubs. That's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> This is your brother. <laughs> yes, it is my brother. Brilliant. OK, mm. excellent. Uh, he's just taken over from Alessandro Nesta. This is the good news at Miami FC. That's the team in Miami that's not owned David by Beckham David Beckham, yeah. but does actually have a stadium and stuff. Mm. But is owned by Paolo Maldini. Yes. Which I would argue is possibly is, more impressive yeah. than Beckham. Yeah, I'd go along with that. Beckham or Maldini? Rafa? Ah, come on. OK. <laughs> question. Maldini. Maldini, OK. Uh, the problem is, though... As you're probably aware, that uh, well, the say North, this, but... <laughs> okay, North American Soccer League, which Miami yeah. FC is part of, is currently in limbo because they've sued US Soccer. Mm. US Soccer want to make them the third tier rather than the second, basically relegate an entire division. I love American sports. They, they say they don't have relegation, but yes, they do. They relegate your entire division. Yeah, <laughs> that's how powerful they are. Damn. Anyway, they're so they're going to build a wall around all the grounds <laughs> and other stuff. Um, they've just pushed the season back to August while things rumble on, apparently. Which is dreadful because, you know, Paul and his family are spending the time on the beach in Miami. Yeah, the fact bad. that they've delayed the season over the summer is just awful for them. I would. Yeah. Rotten. I mean, what they're going to do with their time? <laughs> do they need a press officer? <laughs> <laughs> They do actually need someone to handle the PR around this, don't they? Yeah, that's true, actually. Uh, Football League news. Totally Football League show is coming up this Tuesday in which Ian McIntosh and the gang will be discussing the Old Farm derby. 
Uh, also, Fulham's win at Villa, ending Villa's seven-game winning run, eh, Leroy? Mm. Uh, which allowed Cardiff to move back into second spot after they beat the Tony Pulis Borough machine. Yeah, Fulham are flying. Massive game on Wednesday. Bristol City against Fulham, to put on my old sides. I'll be popping down. But all of a sudden, they've got into a run of games. Look, last season, they played unbelievable football. And I think they've just got that confidence back. Brilliant. And uh, Yeah, flying. Where are they now? They are, I think, fourth or fifth. I'm not sure. Fourth, okay. I think. But in in the right mix. in right in the mix, they were mid table, you know, up until what, twelve games ago. But Pretty right in the mix. Everybody there. who played against Fulham last season said they were the best team that they played against, and yeah. yet they n- never really turned it properly into results, did they? No, well, they got in the playoffs, didn't they? Yeah, they but get, not, yeah. but not. They never reached the heights that everybody said that their style of football. You're should. right, Kelly. They just weren't quite convinced enough, and at the end of the season, they thought the manager would go, somebody would plug him, but he stayed. He's uh, revitalised the side and, yeah, looking good. How good is Ryan Sessegnon? Great potential. OK. Great potential. He's one of those players who you think, oh, he's not a left-back, but he's, he's not a left-winger. <laughs> and, <laughs> and not a left-winger. By the way, that was water being poured. That wasn't anything else. Uh, but um, I also love the fact that, that Raph is pouring the water really slowly so it makes less of a noise. Cause but, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. It turns out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, uh, no, he, he, he could be an amazing player. I, I think that teams have been in for him. And I think that there's, I think there's a deal, a deal been done. Oh, uh, really? For Ryan, yeah, uh, Premier League side. Who? Rumours at Tottenham uh, uh-huh. have been in. Um, wouldn't be surprised if other sides have, have been, been in for him and said, look, yeah, let's do the deal, but like, he stays there with Fulham. But... It's quite interesting because he's, he's got his twin brother, Stephen, as yes, well, right, hasn't yeah. he? In the, in the way that their parents um, handle their their careers and the way that they manage their careers is mm-hmm. really interesting because they, they've had opportunities to move in the past, particularly Ryan, yeah. and they've said, no, we think that Fulham's the best place because you're getting regular football. We look at what's happening at the various clubs that you've been you've been asked to go and play in and that won't help you develop your career, won't help you develop your game. And they, they seem to have a really long-term view of how to bring their bring their boys on. It just shows the importance of having that that backing, doesn't it? Mm. Saving. <clears throat> Great focus, but I, I do think there's people have put loads of deals towards them, so they've got an idea. It's mapped out for Ryan already. So Nice one. Top <laughs> scorer at Fulham, despite being a fullback. But he can play left wing as well. Bingo. Uh, let's talk, Rafa, let's talk about Bayern Besiktas. You're Pinkers, and who knows all about winning the Koenig class. You won it twice. Your bonus question for who? With whom? <laughs> no, we all know. One is Bayern. The other's Real Madrid. And one is the Royals, as we call them in Germany. OK. Now, since he's returned to do the fireman job at Bayern this time around, he's won 21 of 22 matches. Is this going to be 22 out of 23 against Besiktas? Yeah, I mean, this was the draw that Bayern wanted, uh, especially when it was just between Besiktas and Barcelona in the actual draw. And they they feel confident. Um, The only issue is they've been coasting along um, in the Bundesliga, knowing that even making eight changes with making eight changes as they did against Wolfsburg on Saturday, they always have enough to just to just somehow find a win. And on the one hand, that boosts confidence, that gives you that certain kind of swagger and Bavarian arrogance that makes you think, you know, it doesn't really matter who we play, we, we can beat absolutely anyone. At the same time, you wonder, you know, can they kind of switch it on just a bit more, find that extra intensity that you need because... They have been playing at 80%, 85%. And that's been the problem in recent years, certainly under Guardiola, no? Well, I mean, you d- you just you don't know if that was a problem or not. Um, there's one theory that says because Bayern were dominating so much that they couldn't quite um, focus enough. I'm not sure I buy into that uh, idea so much because when they won the trouble, they also had 25 points. 
Mm. Um, there were 25 points clear in the league. Under it's a Heinkes. narrow 21 at the moment. So he yeah. won't be resting any players. Right? <laughs> um, they won't be resting players against Besiktas. They did, as I said, against Wolfsburg, where they were very much played with the B side and B team and um, needed an Iron Robin. I wouldn't say dive, but slightly uh, exaggerated contact in the box to to win the late penalty. Uh, Robin having uh, missed his first penalty since 2012, uh, then left it to Lewandowski um, for the second one, and Bayern uh, Bayern squeezed through with that 2-1 win. So yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great chance I think for Bayern to come from a position where not many people really talk about them in Europe. They're somewhere in the mix, they're somewhere in the background, but as you said, not really seen as front runners to maybe surprise people and uh, it is a, it is a kind draw and they should they should be doing okay especially with Besiktas having lost possibly their best player in Sheng Tozun um, at the which uh, means that it's Alvaro Negredo up front yeah they've got Negredo they've also got uh, Ryan Babel they've mm. got uh, Kareshma still doing some interesting things they're very street smart kind of wild bunch type of uh, and they sprang some surprises in the group yeah, stage yeah they were brilliant in the group stage in a in a pretty weak group. But Leipzig, admittedly. for example, who are still second in the Bundesliga, Leipzig? Um, no, Dortmund are second. Dortmund, but Leipzig sorry. have a game in hand they're playing tonight. OK, but they beat Leipzig, for example, home and away. They did. Uh, and it was just that kind of experience that came to the fore. They, they have all these guys who've been around the block, Pepe at the back. And you'd think, no, this, this looks like a team that can't possibly play as a team. But they just have this kind of... Uh, yeah, this 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 way of knowing how to do things, fouling in the right time, playing at the right time, shooting at the right time, and uh, they'll they'll test Bayern. But yeah, you'd, you'd expect Bayern to to really be okay in this game. I'm going tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Even though it's minus four. Is it minus four right minus now? Minus four and very yeah, Oof. lots of snow. Black eagles. Black no. eagles against the. the Dark horse. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. So, oh, Rafa asked Tom Byfield, are you worried about the strength of the Bundesliga given that no teams below Bayern seem to be able to challenge them? Yeah, of course. Um, you'd, li- you'd, you'd like Dortmund at least, or maybe Schalke as well, or Leipzig as they did last year to a certain extent to, to push Bayern much closer. Bayern will win their sixth title in a row. Mm, that's, not, that's not great for the league. Internationally, domestically, it hasn't really affected the game as much because it's a a similar situation to the Premier League I mean no one says oh it's boring this year so I'm not going to watch any games anymore you watch the games because you've watched your team and you want to know what's happening to them and the fact that City are 15 points clear or 16 doesn't really make a difference to you but of course as a brand internationally in terms of reputation and in terms of European uh, standing you want um, German clubs to do much better and Dortmund had a real opportunity this year with Bayern suffering um, at the beginning of the season, Carlo Ancelotti um, not doing so well to to really challenge and perhaps win the title. But of course, they fell away spectacularly and things have completely turned around with Tankers taking over and just reproducing the old the old order. So yes, I hope I hope that Dortmund and Schalke and perhaps even Leipzig will be in a better position, but it's hard to see past Bayern because they are the only side at the moment who can say no to players leaving. Um, if Even if they don't pick up these good players, like a De Bruyne, for example, or like a Leroy Sané, then they, they still leave the league and everybody else gets weaker relative to Bayern who don't let anyone go. So it's not even that they have to buy them to become stronger. They can just become stronger by not doing anything. And that's a, 
uncomfortable position for for the all the others to be in. Well, just just quick. I mean, you, you, I mean, I don't know a lot about the, the Bundesliga. I concentrate on the on the Premier League, but I look at the Premier League and I'm thinking, oh, in relation to the Champions League, I think Man City have got better. Whatever you say, Man United have got better. Liverpool uh, have got better. I think Tottenham have got better. Could could you say that about Bayern? Given you know, I know you said they're six trophy in a, in a row, twenty one points ahead, but. As a side, have they got better? And if not, is that because of the strength of the league? They haven't. The, the first answer is they haven't got better, but then they came off the best football that I've ever seen at Bayern under Guardiola. Mm. They didn't win the Champions League, but the, some of the football that they played reached a, a quality plateau that I, I don't think anyone in the league had ever seen. It came to the point where teams just felt there is no point playing them we will rest half the side because it's absolutely yeah. We would just yeah. it just makes no point. We don't get the ball. I mean, Bayern had like eighty percent possession in some games, and they won six nil, seven nil every single week. And this Bayern is a lot more individualistic. They need things like Robin getting a penalty in the last minute. They need things like Lewandowski finding a goal somewhere or someone coming up with some some strike. It's a lot more kind of about gladiatorial football almost rather than having this awesome collective that, that Guardiola had and and Heinkes before him in a in a different way. So no Bayern have not been have not been getting stronger but at the same time it, it's funny because you look at the you look at the Champions League and you think you know all these wonderful teams but then they all every year kind of surprise you with just how flawed they are in so many respects. I mean Real Madrid two wins in a row is still not really convincing side, which is strange, but you always feel that they can be beaten somehow. Uh, PSG, everybody thought, you know, the new coming force, cave again. And the only team that really, or the only two sides that really look like a little bit ahead of everybody else is our, our Barcelona and and City this year. So it really should be their, their title in theory. But Bayern have an outsider's chance and they're in a better position than they were last year, I think, uh, under Ancelotti, whose regime just did not agree with the players. So, Relative to 12 months ago, they have improved. Relative to the Guardiola years, they certainly haven't. One last Bundesliga-related question now. Luke Cooper says, Curious to hear your opinion on why Conte was so keen to send Batshuayi packing. I'm curious to hear as well. Did he score against Borussia Mönchengladbach? He did not. And that was a big surprise because he'd scored every single game before. Yeah, so five in three leading up to that. Yeah, correct. Um, including two against Atalanta. And he's, he's looked wonderful. And OK, it helps if you are very attacking as Dortmund. Now they play now with uh, Götze, Royce, um, Batshuayi and Schürrle, sometimes Pulisic. So four um, real attacking players, pretty attacking fullbacks. I think you get... Um, you're surrounded by players a lot more than you are when you're at Chelsea, when there's you and then there's Hazard and there's often 30 metres of green space behind you. And I think Batshuayi isn't perhaps really designed for that kind of game with your back to goal and laying it off. He did it well enough on a horrific pitch um, last night against Gladbach where one or two situations were like that where he had to hold up the ball and his link-up play was pretty good. But he's he's a guy who needs to play facing forward, and um, I think it could just be that Dortmund just suit his his playing style uh, a lot better, and that Conte just feels that yeah, whatever he brings to the table is not the kind of striker that I want, which you know is is fair. But again, I think Chelsea are being quite smart, looking at the longer picture, saying no, absolutely not, you cannot buy him. We did; they didn't even give Dortmund a, an option to buy him. Um, because they feel that he has a future and I think he is a tremendous player. Mm. Perhaps under a different manager. 
Listeners, starting up the Totally Football Show was a hairy business. Fortunately, Cornerstone have been with us every step of the way. Why? Because they're in the business of making hairy things smooth, like your face. Cornerstone's award-winning blades will give you the smoothest shave possible. And their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see the range for yourself, get £10 off your first order and have it delivered right to your door. And you'll find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. Will we be out of here in 13 minutes? That's the question from Easy. producer Ben. It's a question you're asking yourselves, <laughs> listeners, although you're free to go whenever you like. But if you were to leave us, you'd miss us looking at one or two questions and definitely talking about Shakhtar Roma. Shakhtar Donetsk, or Shakhtar Kharkiv these days, mm. uh, taking on Roma, which is a big, big game in the Champions League. Shakhtar, exciting side, Kelly. You a fan of Shakhtar Donetsk, the miners? Huge. Me also. But here's the winter break klaxon, because of course they've been off, haven't they, the Ukrainians? They've not been playing. They did of come course. back this weekend. <laughs> and just to give you, you know, some context, last season they dominated in the group stage of the competition, Shakhtar. But when they came back, they got knocked out by Celta Vigo. Wow. Roma have been playing with a brief winter break after Christmas. And uh, eventually just started to get their form back. They get a little bit of their mojo back. They look great in the group stage, didn't they? Topped the group with Chelsea and Atletico Madrid. Kept hold of Edin Dzeko. Yeah. But perhaps most importantly, have discovered an exciting new star in Cencik Under, which is almost certainly not how you pronounce his name. But he is doing really well, the Turkish player, who is kind of the next player I think they're fattening up to sell. Probably quite literally. Uh, <laughs> he's got four in, in three. He scored again in their 2-0 uh, win over Udinese at the weekend. So what's going to happen in that game? I don't know. Because I'm, I'm really nervous about Roma blowing it in the big games. But they did look fantastic in the, in the, in the Champions League group stages, particularly at Stamford Bridge, of course. Anyway, we'll talk more about uh, Serie A on Wednesday, shall we? In our special Golazzo podcast. But I could just mention quickly that Juve did win the derby against Torino 1-0 on Sunday. Gonzalo Higuain limping off. They reckon he should be fine for the return leg at Wembley with Spurs. Benevento got their third win of the season. Ollie Scott says, will Gattuso, Gennaro Gattuso, Ringo, will he start getting credit for what he's doing in Milan soon? Wait, you'd say, Kelly, that he does... Do you know what he's doing at Milan? Go on. They haven't been defeated since December. Mm -hmm. They were the big success story of of the Italian clubs in the Europa League last Thursday, 3-0 over Ludogorets. And they had another victory on Sunday. They beat Sampdoria in a yeah, pretty entertaining 1-0 uh, victory at San Siro. They've moved up to six. They're seven points off the top four. Uh, but I, I wouldn't rule out their, them overtaking into their neighbours, who are that side in the top four, seven points ahead of them. But having a rotten run of form, I think it's one win in 11. 12, actually, Inter. I um, am very much enjoying Gattuso's quite robust style of management. Yeah. Though. Very much enjoying that. Yeah. Well, yeah, as a player, so a, a manager, well, quite, pretty much. Yeah. Very vocal there. The problem and is... Physical. Hmm? And physical. And physical. That was the clip of him smacking his player around the head. And well, it's all very, do you remember um, in the World Cup? And, and not in a friendly way. No. <laughs> do you remember in the World Cup in, in Germany when he went up and grabbed Marcello Lippi yes. by the throat? Yeah, yeah. It's not the first thing I think to do of, no. with Marcello Lippi. Uh, and got away with it, most what brilliantly. What is the first thing? salute him shake him by the hand Um, don't get lippy with me exactly thank you Leroy (laughs) so anyway here's the bad news vis-a-vis Milan 
Corriere della Sera reporting. Uh, there's been a lot of question marks over Jung Hung Lee, who's the man who basically took over with a lot of an asset. Well, it's not his own money, basically. He had to borrow a lot of money off some, uh, what would you call them? Loan sharks? What's a nice name for money lender? Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, a, a vulture fund, I think. <laughs> but he's basically that's a fund. A, yeah. yeah. And the money's due back in. Now it turns out that even the money that he was supposed to bring to it, he doesn't have because he's, according to Cordo de la Serie, he's bankrupt and the Chinese authorities are putting all his assets up for auction to pay off the creditors. What this means for Milan, who knows? But it doesn't sound good, does it? Anyway, what does sound good, Leroy? Is some questions from listeners. <laughs> Just reaching into the bulging post bag now. Paul Scholes is my hero. Says if Zidane goes, what Premier League side will want to take a punt on him? Oh, I'm, I'm sort of. I'm West thinking. <laughs> You're sort of thinking. Where are they going to be changes? The one that popped into mind was Chelsea. Chelsea I th- always look for that type. Yeah, ex Real Madrid, ex Barcelona. It would That's be, a sort. It of would team. be a fit, but then it depends on where the job. So that if Conte does go at the end of the season, then there would be a space there. There may also be a space at Arsenal. Oh uh, well, Man United wants an antidote. Oh, well, he's just signed a new deal. I know, but that doesn't mean a lot. No. <laughs> well, I love speculation like this. But, Were you suggesting Arsenal? Were you suggesting Arsenal? I wasn't as realistically suggesting right. Arsenal, but you asked us to speculate, so I, I speculated. Yeah. And I looked at where there were potentially going to be spaces, and yeah. I created a Zidane-shaped hole. <laughs> all right, OK. Uh, of course, Cy Ram... All kinds of wrong, doesn't it? Cy Ram says, what are the chances for Yugi Love replacing Zidane at Rail or Heinkes at Bayern Munich at the end of this summer's World Cup, Rafa? Well, the assumption that the German FA work under is that Löw will stay oh, really? until 2020. Wow. Of course, if he wins the World Cup again, you'd think, does it really make sense to kind of just drag this out for two years? At the same time, if they have a really bad World Cup, would there be pressure on, on Germany appointing someone else? I, I'm i not 100% sure that Löw himself knows whether he wants to go, A, this summer, and B, into a club football situation where you cannot, you almost cannot win. I mean, you saw Zidane talking about how tiring and exhausting it is to coach Real Madrid. You've won two Champions Leagues and you're still on the edge of being um, what's dismissed. Love, what's love done? Uh, uh, you're going to sing. For you, what to do? It. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no. What what is what has love uh, done in love done with club football before in in terms of management? He's had very limited experience. He he was at uh, he was in, in Turkey. He coached in Austria. He had some success with Stuttgart, but at a very low level. It was a big surprise when Klinsmann appointed him as his assistant mm. because he'd basically come from from the wilderness and then as as happens quite often in Germany then inherited the job of his uh, predecessor but I'm not sure he wants that daily grind of of coaching every every single day mm. uh, especially if you're talking about Real Madrid or even Bayern to a certain extent where you cannot win even if you are winning exactly you are Lira, you've been an international manager and a club manager. Mm-hmm. You know all about that daily grind. Well, not quite to that level. Right. <laughs> but Your no. Sierra Leone experience is amazing. Yeah, he wouldn't have survived that. Joachim, I mean, Joachim wouldn't have survived that. That was, when you talk about the daily grind, but when you were trekking across half of Africa in a, yeah. in a, in a, in a borrowed car. In a van and a plane, trains, planes and automobiles. You, you were probably wishing for the daily grind, well, weren't you? Well, when the, the, when the uh, authorities said it was going to take six hours and it took like 26 hours, you know, you, you know that you're... 
you're not going to be told the truth too didn't often. Didn't you refuse to get on the plane? Uh, no, we, we they didn't book our flight back because they they taken all the money, so we had to go and get our ticket before the game right. in Mali. So myself and Paul Mortimer, uh, kind of on the Friday evening, went into the town centre of Mali to buy our tickets. We can only get tickets to Paris. That was before the game because they wouldn't, they didn't have our tickets. The money had gone, so um, we got our tickets the night before the game against Mali. But uh, yeah, so interesting. But the reason I was going to say about you oh, yeah. love is I did the Confederations Cup, and by the way, there's such an impressive group of German players coming through that system. None of the senior players went to that. They were incredible. Rudiger was part of that that group of players. So I would suggest that on the horizon there's another very, very good German side. And I think he was he he was he looks really enthused. You know, sometimes seeing the national managers and you think, oh yeah, their time's up. But he looked really enthused about that group of players at last year's Confederations Cup. So it's interesting to see how many of those are in the, the World Cup squad and, and where they want to go. So it's gonna take a big offer. I mean, and... Yeah, this is a dream job because mm. you do very little no disrespect. No, you're um, right. You're absolutely right. Well, I did very little, but got sacked, so just didn't get away with it. Um, and Germany will be competitive for for years to come. They're not going to be able to win every single competition, but they will be mm. in the mix. And it was hilarious because after the draw um, for the group stages, and Germany finally settled on staying in Moscow, Löw was asked, you know, what's your rationale? Because they were thinking about maybe staying in Sochi, where they stayed at the Confed Cup, had a great time. It's warmer there, etc. And he said, no, Moscow's better because of the connections and stuff. And he said, after the last 16, for all the other games, it's much easier to stay <laughs> to stay in Moscow. And it didn't even occur to anyone that, you know, he was being presumptious yeah. or arrogant or whatever. So it's like, everyone's, yeah, 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 it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. To Russia with love. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, just noting that down yeah. for any potential shows we might be doing. Right? And there you go. There is one other question here. We did kind of... I did say no VAR today, but Dave Payne wants to know what's the overall reaction to VAR in Germany and, and Italy? Does it get as much debate and analysis as it is here? It certainly does in, in Italy, perhaps even more so. Rafa, I know that German players recently had a vote, is that right? In which they said they were overwhelmingly yeah. against it. No, they weren't overwhelming against it, oh. but a majority said uh, this should be scrapped. It should be scrapped. Yeah, a, major- a, a, a relative majority. Okay. I think 46%. Um, so they should be scrapped. Will of the people. Not a relative. Not relative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I say one thing about VAR? I'm sure you can say many, Leroy. Only You've got quick. about 220 and Kelly's going to have her say, I'm, I'm sure. Very quickly, it makes yep. very good referees very good. It makes average referees very, very poor. And what do we have more of? Because average referees keep going to VAR. They right. keep, there's no doubt. But good referees, they use it at the right times. But if you've got, And we've got too many average referees. Kelly? That's the problem. It doesn't take the human element out of it because you've still got referees who are making the final decision and who are asking for it. So used properly, it's a brilliant tool, mm. but it is only a tool. It's not the solution. To, right. Would you keep it or get rid errors. of it? I think, this is, I think this season's been really interesting because it's the trial. Mm. I think get to the end of the season, see how it's worked, assess it then and then and then look at it. But I think if, if you've got good... You need to train the referees to use it properly. If it was your decision now, what would you do? Keep or... or I, I would, I would stick at keep it? it with the caveat that I would put the referees on really intensive training courses over the summer to make mm. sure that they were up to speed on how and when to use it. Can I just say a word on VAR? Please. Germany, because the question was directed oh, yeah. at me. In Germany, it's created debate, not so much because of the decision-making process itself, because most decisions are right. I mean, VAR does get it right, but the way it comes about, the way it takes away the element. Even on Saturday, there was a game where Stuttgart scored 
and it took like 60, 62 seconds before um, you know half the stadium start um, stopped celebrating, etc. And people think, okay, yes, we get more justice or more fairness, but mm. is the price that we're paying for it not too high? Absolutely. It's a trade-off between the emotion of the game, the excitement and the adrenaline of the game, and the absolute correctness of results. And I think football is more about the former than the latter. But it's not that it takes away the emotions, because well, now you have extra emotions of uh, mm. of celebrating and being angry because your goal's being taken away from you. You can have all that after the game anyway. Can I ask a question? It's the rhythm, I think, Kelly's, that's more... Uh, Kelly with a question. Yes. How do they communicate it to people in the ground in Germany? Not, How does not that nearly work? well enough, is, because there is, is no... No, there is not nothing on the screens yeah um they've only just started doing properly on television even television viewers sometimes yeah. have problems understanding well that's what, what happened the other on. day we had the wiggly lines isn't it um so yeah that's been another side. issue just the lack of transparency is i think is a big issue if they had the communication on air for example mm-hmm. i think people would find it much easier to just follow the people yeah, that's, that's, well, fine well, for tele- that's fine for televised games but if you're in the ground that doesn't happen no, no, but you could just you could just go live ground has a, has a, a you could just go live for many many hours on the mic one day because they're mic'd up anyway yeah so half the ground say it was a dive yeah, but that's like any decision. That's the, anyway, any listeners, while they're discussing VAR, let's get the odds from Paddy Power with Ian McIntosh. Thanks, James. I'm on the line with Amy Jones from Paddy Power. Amy, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm very, very good. Thank you very much for asking. A big weekend of FA Cup action. Um, who's favourites now after all of that? Yeah, so there obviously wasn't many huge shocks other than uh, Tottenham yesterday messing it up for everybody. Um, but the favourites now are still Man City, probably unsurprisingly. But the second favourites before the weekend were Tottenham and now it's Man United. They're 10 to 3, City are 7 to 4. Talking of the outsiders, I mean, what could I get for something a little wild? Say Sheffield Wednesday winning the cup. So you get 100 to 1 for that. It's obviously a lot more unlikely. But, you know, if there's any competition, I think, where that's going to happen, it would be the FA Cup. So Exactly. Well, that seems about fair. Now, turning our attentions to European football, Manchester United step up to the plate uh, against Sevilla. What are the odds on United doing something crazy like scoring four? So it's 14 to 1 for him to score um, four goals, which, like you say, it will probably be a little bit crazy. And I think... The pressure is really on for them to get a big win after, obviously, City and Liverpool's amazing results last week. And they're not favourites. They're not necessarily fancied for it. So it should be interesting to see whether they can pull four goals out somewhere. Yeah, I, I reckon they'll sneak through on that one. But the, the team you'd worry about, if you know, you're know worried about English teams in Europe, would be Chelsea. Um, they're up against Barcelona. That's going to be very tough, isn't it? Especially in their form. Oh, yeah, massively. And obviously, they, they had a good result against Hull, but they've not been doing so well in the league, Chelsea. So they're 17-2 um, to, to concede for against Barcelona. Um, let's not forget Arsenal, of course. They're still plugging away in the Europa League. Um, any chance of that happening? Well, the second favourites, the 7-2, and I think it'll be interesting to see whether Wenger just now focuses everything on trying to secure that trophy because it looks as though top four is pretty much gone, doesn't it? You can find out those odds and, and the other more. thing about VAR. Paddyfair.com. <laughs> 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Anyway, that's it for today's Totally Football show. Many thanks to Leroy Rosenia. Bye-bye. Thanks, James. 
Raphael Honigstein. Thank you. And Kelly Cates. Thank you, James. No, thank you for being with us, Kelly. Especially at such short notice, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did get the fright of my life on Twitter last night. Yeah. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but... No, yeah. it's, it's happened it to us started. All. Good. Listeners, don't forget that we are back on Wednesday with Golat. So Ian's here on Tuesday with the Football League show and we'll be back with Totally Football show on Thursday. Do join us for one or all of those productions and have yourselves a great time in the meantime. Bye. The Totally Football show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. 